Some days I am light. Some days I am a thunderstorm. Some days I feel balanced. Some days I'm in alignment. Some days I am the calmest of waters. Some days I am the most flammable fire. Only a true master can command my energy. I stand in my center, commanding my own answers. I am a warrior, freeing myself of society's expectations of me. I'm no longer in bondage, the bondage I tied and placed around my feet. I am sometimes the sweetest lady, sometimes the lioness on the warpath ready to strike earthquakes on this battlefield. I embrace all my energy, for I wish to no longer taste the residue of my own wrath. I am untamable. So we have Sharifa with us today. Hi, Sharifa. Hey, Sharifa. And I've known Sharifa from around about maybe 2011, 2012, something like that. And I, the other day, I was emailing somebody and I described Sharifa as the ultimate grassroots person. Aww. As in, you are embedded into, these, like, into the community in a way that I don't see other activists doing so much. And I think you do a lot of work mm -hmm. within that. Some good work as well, not just work, you know, because people can do work. <laughs> it's really ineffectual, but you actually do stuff. Thank that you. Is effectual. So I've met Sharifa's work. I can't even remember where we met. Did we perform on the same bill or something? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, yeah, because Sharifa's a poet as yeah. well. Mixed comedian, poetry. I'm not sure. But we've seen each other I around think I for met a few you years. First, the first time at SOAS or something. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Well, I remember one of the like, like, really good memories I have of you is when you ran Palestine Place. Oh, that yeah, 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 yeah. That's where we kind of we connected more, yeah, trying to get yeah. things going and stuff, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe about Palestine Place, which is quite beautiful. Oh, wow. <laughs> going back into the history books. <laughs> um, yeah, I just mainly do a lot of youth and community work. Um, I've supported, like, the United Friends of Families campaign of, um, to do with, like, supporting families of people who've been affected by um, deaths in custody. Um... At the moment, I do a lot of stuff with the community affected by Granville because I live down the road. Um, but yeah, in terms of like Palestine Place, that was a building we occupied in Horbin. Um, and we just had like loads of events over like quite a long time. Yeah, yeah. It was long. I, I put on, yeah. a, you allowed me very <laughs> thankfully to, to uh, put on, to show, screen a, um, a, a documentary about uh, sort of African um refugees mm -hmm. and migrants in in israel yeah and so on. we had a little sort of skype uh skype call with uh, um the journalist who'd made it and yeah. i was just so thankful that that was a really nice like way to sort of put a highlight on what was happening there because Definitely. so often i mean we talk about gaza and it's very important obviously but people forget that there was in 2012 i think it was there was sort of these uh really uh bad sort of um actions against uh, Ethiopian Jews and mm -hmm. Eritrean refugees and other refugees who are in Israel where there was people breaking into their shops and like violence on the streets and so on and not many people were taking notice of that and obviously there's a lot of people who campaign about Palestine but they forget that there's other things um, happening in that in that region. <laughs> yeah, really bad. I, a guy called David Sheen does a lot of yeah, that yeah. on the ground. Yeah. You guys don't remember me from that place. I came there to interview Kadir Adnan the hunger striker. Okay. Khadir and yeah. yeah. And uh, doing a live interview with him. Yeah. Yeah. You facilitated yeah. a lot of good stuff. I was, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember that place. What happened to it? Why Why did it? I don't know. No? To be honest, I can't remember. Like, so much has happened since then. <laughs> it was in the West End, though. I mean, it was in, like, Holborn and stuff. Yeah. And it's an empty building down there. People are not going to allow that to carry on for too long. Yeah, no, so, yeah. I think some of the other activists that were involved in that, I think they went on to continue to do other things more in relate, relation to that. Mm. But for me as well, like, I wanted to do more stuff, not just relative to like Palestine so I kind of stepped back a little bit because I yeah. felt like again what you just said for me like I went to Sierra Leone that year and my eyes opened in a different degree of like wait a minute why why is the world obsessed of course Palestine is very important why is there an obsession about the Arab struggle and what about everybody else so if we talk about like boycott Israeli diamonds or something I'm like but they affected a whole community that's affected by neo-colonialism who yeah. are um you know, made settlers within their own land who have their own homes, like completely affected, and all the rest of it, um, before they even be get to become Israeli diamonds. You know, mm -hmm. um, so I feel like then I just I had a more broader perspective. Mm. You and look I at the felt, root of things. Yeah, you? so I was kind of, and, and at the same time, like how um, not Arab supremacy as such, but like how. Asian people seeing the Arab struggle as very superior to their own struggles. I'm like, yeah. why is Asian diaspora not doing anything about their own communities? And that started to kind of affect me. So I took a little step back. Of course, I love Palestine and I always speak about it, but it, it didn't. It kind of didn't. Wasn't the top of my priority list after a while. I found it to be um, quite a toxic space. Yeah. I think the Palestinian struggle attracts a lot of people in there for a lot of weird reasons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. And I didn't like it as well. And then I also found that um, I'm looking at the Congo and then I'm seeing Asian people who, like one of my friends, is really vocal about this. He's like, you're going about Gaza, Gaza, Gaza. What about Kashmir? Yeah, like, exactly. You know, well, why are you saying anything about that? If you want to talk about a struggle and people being, you know, systematically murdered, then look at the Congo. For me, so I've, I felt like, yeah, that's Definitely. got enough hands on it. Definitely. And then for me, it's like <clears> when, um, when the annual walk happens for to support families of people who've been killed by the police or within the state system. I'm like, where's all these people that come out for Palestine? Mm. Why are you not even turning up for families that are completely traumatised and affected by violence on your own in, mm. your, in this country that you live in? Mm -hmm. And for me, that I just became quite frustrated at that. Like, because yeah. I'm like, solidarity for, for what? Like, because that's more like... Yeah, I understand in a sense, it became a bit fashionable and I didn't really want to be a part of that. Like, yeah. And there was some, yeah, you're like, you're not here for the right reasons. This is, and also the way they would infantilize Palestinian people. Because yeah. when you're talking about what was happening to the Eritreans and stuff like that, there were some videos of Palestinian people saying these black people, this, that, and the yeah, other, yeah. and Abd or Abd, Abd, I think the word is this African word for slave. And when you point that out, whoa, watch Palestinian activists turn on you. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've had some big falling outs oh, when wow. I was. I've never really been in that space so much. I, I, I ended up performing at a lot of things and stuff, and sort of new people. So you get to know people in that space, and I just thought, mm, mm -hmm. there's more to this than. Yeah, and I think sometimes allow people to maintain their own sense of self determination and don't always feel like you have to kind of. 
Exactly. And that's, that what, was that's what became more profound for me because, but at the same time, it was a very interesting time. I think 2013-ish. Mm-hmm. And it was like a lot of Palestinians yeah, speaking about, yeah, yeah, they were speaking out about like their own autonomy and they don't want people like Harry Fear or whatever. Yes, yes, that kind of like shook a lot of people that were like standing here, like, Hi, I'm an activist with a coffee on. And I think that really shook up the scene a lot. Like, what was that white guy <laughs> called, that Marine? Ken, Ken, Ken O'Keefe. I saw this man in Dominica, <laughs> in Dominica, he was over there. I was like, Oh my god! And everyone was like, what? and he was over there like a rock star in Dominica, and they were like, this. I said, you don't know who that guy is. They, I'm mean, that guy. That guy. And oh yeah, he's this like crazy American property owner. That's, his name's Kenneth Keith. I know who he is. So yeah, that's the last time I saw him, and I just thought that whole thing was just weird. I don't know who he is, but I think <laughs> I don't want to know from just the sounds of it. Look okay, it look it up. I'll put it in the in the <laughs> yeah. program notes as well. But you you mentioned that the the, the campaign um, for people killed by police and the yeah. state in the state system can you tell us a little bit more about that and your work within that i mean i know with with uh, work with me to diverse where we we looked a lot at um um some of the people who were killed by say in the last few years uh Shekhar Bayo and um also sarah, sarah i've forgotten her sarah reed yes. sarah reed sarah and so on um is are those areas that you've worked in or what what, what, what i think it's do? just mainly just supporting people like marcia rig um and at the same time like if they need like an event organized to maybe raise some money or some awareness, that kind of thing, it's just supporting where you can. Mm-hmm. Or like, uh, I remember I put on an event on Boardwater Farm to support, um, yeah, just to, for um, Mark Duggan's children and the, the rest of the kids on was the farm. Was there like the barbecues and stuff from people outside? That was there. <laughs> that was, um, no, that was after, that was like a year or something oh, okay. after. This was yeah. like something more like, we, we put on like different workshops for them. It was really nice. You and know? what is your, is there any one campaign within with with Marcia etc that you that stuck out for you and at all like I was saying in terms of like the Duggan campaign was very like yeah that that really hit home for a lot of people but I think it's mainly supporting where you can because it's so vast you know for example like when Grenfell happened that just took over my life and that for me was literally like having all the families of people around the UK that have lost someone in custody. It was like having all those people living, having lived in a block next to my house. Do you know what I mean? So it was mm. like before, like you'll see people annually, all the rest of it with the United Friends and Families campaign. But this just became a whole other story. Mm-hmm. And it was very disturbing on that front. So I've been heavily involved with everything to do with Grenfell. Um, what is going on like with Grenfell at the moment? Because I mean, I see there's a Twitter account that's you know so, yeah that does the but is is there a central campaign or, or what's happening? Um, Grenfell United is set up by survivors, mm. the bereaved members of um, people who lost family members and stuff, and um, it's a it's a campaign for self determination. Mainly um, at the moment, there's a fire safety campaign going on because they want to make sure people all around the country are living safe and people who have got cladding on their buildings, um, hospitals and all the rest of it, mm-hmm. the 441 buildings around the country that have got the same flammable cladding on them. So they want to 441? Sure that... Still yeah. in this country? Yeah. Right. So they want to make sure that changes and as mm-hmm. well as like fire safety regulations to make sure people have sprinklers in their, um, in their homes, in their flats, all the rest of it. And there's a lot going on um, even within the time like um, in March we're waiting for Sam Orbic, the judge, to like 
make his report, to have his report out, and then after that, you know, and what was kind of his see. report? Is that the one that Theresa May, I guess, it's, she ordered, or what? What, what it's kind of more the first stages of the inquiry, so okay. like to get his results of what he thought about everything, all the evidence that's been provided so far. But um, they've put it on hold until next year, so I think it's just a waiting game now mm-hmm. for people. And at the same time, Grenfell United are being proactive. You know, they've t- turned into activists overnight, the same way like people like Marcia Rigg, whose brother was killed outside Brixton Police Station, she had to do the same thing, you know? And all the other families, so I feel sure, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. you have something like Grenfell, and you're doing an inquiry. How dare you postpone it for a year? This should be yeah. something that is done like, oh my God, how did this... So you start to see the different ways that the system works, and who it works for, and stuff like that, and it's, it's quite disheartening. But it is good like to see people self-organise, and like you say, become activists, and you know, but out of need, isn't it? Rather than, you know, I wonder if there's some, I don't know, when trauma pushes you into that area, do you think people look after their self-care? They make sure? I, I don't really think so. That. I don't really think people do look after themselves. Some people might have the privilege to like maybe go off and do their own thing for a little while and come back. and look yeah. off. But if you've got family, like, if, you know, like there's families or people that are affected, so the dad can't just fly off to Morocco or whatever you know what I yeah. mean like it's not that simple and I feel like as you can see from even the United Friends of Family campaign there's not been that much respite for people yeah. and I think respite is necessary but not everybody has the privilege or the opportunity to go and get the respite that they need yeah, because they're so they have they have um so much responsibility on, yeah. on them because I think there's the two different types of activism there's people who come in to go okay I want to come and just randomly help with this, or there are people who are pushed into it because they lost a, a brother or a son, or I just find it like heartbreaking. Some of it though, like I remember going down to a vigil after, um, after uh, gosh, I can't remember who it was, maybe it was a Mark Duggan anniversary thing or whatever, and it was outside Tottenham Police Station. And I just, I recreated the scene for my book because it really moved me. And it was like Roger Sylvester's parents. Yeah. And like, we're not going to go back to Dominica till this is solved. And I just thought, just go back. Like, I really, I just thought, you know, I, I just, the people were walking around with pictures, framed yeah. pictures of their dead relatives. And I, I don't know, I just, I, it just really moved me. Because I just thought they still in the bottom of their heart have some faith in that this system is going to come and help them in some kind of way. Yeah. Or they will get... I mean, I'm not... So, look at Hillsborough. Yeah, no, exactly. It took 20 but, years. you know, at the same time... Definitely, but the yeah. fact that over 1,500 people have been killed by the state yeah. um, since 1990 and not one officer has been prosecuted. So yeah. we only have to look at that. And that's why, like, when we talk about other things, and I think that was part of the trauma, like, in the first few weeks, like, after the Grenfell, like, when it, I actually realised, I was like... You know, people would say all kinds of things to you to try and make you feel better. Yeah. Like, oh no, this is what happened and all the rest of it. But at the same time, it was the realisation of like, justice. Like, we've been waiting for justice for so many things and inquiries and inquests. Do they even provide any form of justice? What is justice? Yes, exactly. You have to decide what justice looks like. What's the balance? You know, how much do you keep back for yeah. yourself? How much do you... I remember Doreen Lawrence saying there's certain pictures she would only release a couple of pictures of Stephen Lawrence because the rest are hers. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it's prior and you have to keep that distance and keep, you know, that much for yourself. Definitely, but, yeah. but you've got people that, like, that still have the missing posters that were around, that in their bedroom. 
with their number on a scroll on it of people that are passed away. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow. Like, I never, like, okay, there's posters you won't see them around the area anymore, but I'm yeah. like, in people's homes. Like, yeah. And the, the last time I saw something like that was like in Palestine, a refugee camp. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So when I, that just, I was like, wow. And you can't actually say anything because that's how people need to process or grieve or whatever else mm. it is and you have to respect that. But I'm like, the trauma is so, it, people can't really understand how it is for people. A lot mm. of people can't. And that's, that's a real sadness, like, yeah. And so how did you, I know that there was a video that came out recently, I think, maybe, was it Akala in it and Loki and so on? How, and was it with Universal Pictures or something? How did that yeah. come together? And what is the goal of that, that video? I think um, Loki was the person who wrote the script along with um, Grandfather United. Um, and yeah, they just wanted everybody involved that was either from the community, not just the community, but I mean, people that were from the tower or lost people um, and then to gain support from other people outside of that as well so like Stormzy, Adele, all the rest of it and that's mainly to make sure because that was for the one and a half year anniversary mm -hmm. to bring it back into the eyes of the media because mm. you know medias have changed their channel people aren't as interested even when I talk about Grand Thrall sometimes my friends don't want to hear about it they're like yeah. oh well here she goes like mm. you know they, or they avoid you because they don't want to hear about depressing stuff. And it's not about it being depressed. Sometimes we need to talk, you know? And I feel like um, that's, that's what it was, the purpose is for, but also to now build a, a, a fire safety campaign. This isn't a charity film. This is a clarity film. This is about what happened 18 months ago in Grenfell. The voices of those who shouted from the windows. I lost my friend. My wife. My brother. My father. I love my daughter. I escaped through thick, toxic smoke. I was in a coma for two weeks. We stood and watched our homes burn. We saw our neighbours at their windows, screaming for help. We talked to them on the phone as they breathed their last breath. 72 people died in central London. We have lost the people we've most loved. Home is where you rest your soul. Not where your soul should be made to rest. They say home is where the heart is. I woke up and mine was on fire. We are Grenfell United. We are the survivors. And the bereaved. We are raising our voices. And we will be heard. We are united for Grenfell. To discover the truth. Because we have to know how the people we trusted to protect us let this happen. We are united for Grenfell. Because in this country there are still 441 towers with cladding still on them. Politicians can't just let this fade away and leave everything to stay the same. It's too late for our loved ones, but it's not too late for yours. We are not asking for money. We are not asking for sympathy. We are demanding change. Change so families up and down the country are safe in their homes. Change so that people, no matter where they live, are treated with dignity and respect. Will you stand with us? Will you stand with us? Will you stand with us? 72 people died in central London. And change must come. Forever in our hearts. 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 Never forget Brentford. Join us. Be united for Grenfell. Visit support.grenfellunited.org. Just the other day, I was at Middlesex University and talking about Grenfell to like international students, and it was just very interesting because some of the girls they were like, you know, they're either from some part of Europe, and they're like, oh no, um, 
they didn't tell us how many people passed away in our media. They just said fire in London. Yeah. That's it. They didn't tell yeah. us anything like this. So they mm. was kind of in shock, you know. Um, and again, like opening up that conversation so more people know about it. The international community know about it. So when people have this perception of England, they know what happened in North Kensington in the richest borough. Like mm -hmm. we can't mm -hmm. just push it away. So a lot of things came together to make this happen. Like this class, race immigration all of this and like and just to see that these people were like neglected in the richest borough i i, I even forget that it like I mean, is the richest borough in that. How, how many people did actually die because i think they rest at 71 I, I just can't see how that could be possible yeah they say 72 but 72 but also just, people like, that um people who might have jumped out mm. they they were not counted in the numbers right because they said that's suicide and then, of course, you've got okay. people that were, um, wow. you know, people that were seeking asylum or yeah. subletting or something. People that pe nobody claimed. Yeah. You know. So what about them? What happened to them? Oh God. So I, I just put it as like over seventy because I want to acknowledge the people that's that we don't know about. You know. That's why I heard, and that's that's was part of the narrative to turn people against them was saying, oh, these yeah. immigrants are coming in, they're subletting. Yeah. That's why we don't know how many people yeah. are in there. And, it, you know... And there's a it was, it direct connection just... between that and what happened recently with these idiots at Halloween. Um, oh, yeah, of course. They, 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 they put them as criminals, you know. I remember having... I blocked them in the end because it was ridiculous. This guy was like, you know, those immigrants over here, they got council flat. I couldn't get one. I was like, mate, we'll go and take one then. Do you know what I mean? You're jealous of people who burned alive in their homes. Mm. God. That's how how the mentality that this the, the mainstream media has got people being like every Christmas. Like I used to be a prison officer, and they would go, "Oh, guess what? These lags are eating. They're eating turkey, and these lags are eating. You know, they've got Christmas pudding." I'm like, they've got turkey that looks and got yeah. the texture of a fucking bloody sanitary yeah. towel. Yeah. Right. They've got. Peas that stink. They've got Christmas pudding that looks like something that came out of my daughter's nappy. Like, but I'm going, my God, you would actually write up a story to make normal people feel jealous of prisoners. That's what kind of a weird society. People are yeah, jealous of prisoners. Do you know how, how deep it was, right? I was okay. speaking to my friend about this because on the night of the fire, like, we was in this pub near, like, my station, like, afterwards we went in there and there was some people, survivors, and their families were being brought into there. Now... The way that there was this one police officer, I wish I remember. I wish I got her name and I think she was completely out of order. Like she was quite old, but she was she was just she had a jealousy for the way that people were, like the community yeah. and people. Like I, you know, one of the elders that I was with, or like, and this other man that I've never seen again. Like he, we were with them, and you know they're by themselves and all the rest of it, um, and in complete shock. And then she's like, "Oh, family only. Everybody else outside." I said, "No, we are family." Which you want me to leave him by himself? I'm not leaving. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then afterwards, like asking people, like oh, telling people, oh, bring your, um, one family person, one family member only, and people having to literally take off their ma, their oxygen to say, what the fuck? Like I came out of a burning building. Don't you tell me with my family yeah. staying with me? Yeah. I'm yeah. like, wow. Yeah. And at that point, because you have to obviously stay calm because you're not trying to disturb people that have come out of a complete madness, like. I was like, wow, mm. I was completely in shock then that, you know, but, but it's like, but it's a jealousy, the jealousy of like the communal yeah. aspect, the communal feeling, um, the promotion of this neoliberal individualist 
society that they want you know they yeah, didn't realize that they didn't realize things. people were going to come out to actually be there for each other yeah and they didn't expect the next day that there was going to be like a swarm of volunteers yeah you know what i mean yeah. like that wasn't not expected at all i don't think yeah it's definitely a culture of envy as well and, and envy is about like the community sticking together yeah. and just like why wouldn't you because i think it's been set up in the media particularly over the last few years with Islamophobia and stuff, that certain, we're black women, we just can't be a victim. You're just not even allowed to be a victim of anything. Whatever happens to you, you don't deserve any sympathy. And if you try to get it, or not even that you try to get it, if you just happen to tell your story, it, you know, you'll have people having a go at you. Going, yeah, oh, I've seen it. Like that, yeah. that was behind what was the effigy. Mm. Because how could you in your right mind ever make an effigy? And the fact, the yeah. one that really struck me about that effigy was when they went the ninja. Oh God. The ninja. That Islamophobia that was there, that sort of anti-woman hate, it was, so many things were combined in that. And when they set fire to that Muslim woman, I thought, my God, we're sick. We're a sick society. It didn't think ever come of that, by the way, because that was a big it, deal. It, it, and then, they were arrested. I heard they got arrested, but I didn't hear anything after that. Yeah. Um, but so, so, you do a lot of activism in, in, in those sort of public campaigns but you also do work with uh, youth like behind the scenes you were saying something yeah so I do like youth and community work but at the same time like at the moment I'm working with these women that are like uh, female offenders and supporting people like to just have a creative outlet mm -hmm. so for me it's about you know you could you can watch the world you can watch all this news and be as informed about things but at the same time how are you processing your own life like mm -hmm. how are you expressing yourself so um, I work with Kids on the Green, um, they're a youth organisation that came about since Grenfell and we work with kids either from the tower or kids that lost friends and family members and stuff and um, they're all very traumatised but as well you're, you're bringing like we're just trying to create something that's like more lighter, um, giving them access to spaces and you know just taking them out for a day or whatever it is that we've been doing um, but with that it's like supporting people to be able to articulate themselves because I think that's the worst thing so when you're feeling a type of way where you're just very emotional and you don't really know what it is that you're feeling and I think you know supporting people to be actually be like okay I'll put this down we'll go studio we'll record it mm -hmm. and um you know they performed and so they performed at Loki's concert oh, at um Coco's and yeah. stuff it was really good yeah because uh, yeah. I we both know you as a poet as well so is which part of your, or is it all interwoven? Is it you helping others express themselves through poetry that's most important to you? Or is it more important to you to have that as your outlet for your emotions? For me, it's about like, empowering others to find their own form of healing through creativity. Mm -hmm. But first and foremost, my self-care, like, I have therapy. Mm -hmm. I have um, other things, you know, like, and I need to look after me. But at the same time, like, my poetry is very... It differs, like one minute I could be talking about something political. That might be an expectation for me, especially from people that might know me as like, oh yeah, Sharifa the activist. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Sharifa likes to talk about, yeah. you know. Because so. <laughs> I find that sometimes, you know, people, you can get boxed in. Yeah. And people, you know, I'm just like, sometimes I just want to say that 
pistachio ice cream is really nice. And yeah. That's what I want to talk about that. Like something that simple. I want to, yeah. you know, say, do you like udon noodles or yeah. like the dinner ones or do you like rice noodles or just something like yeah. that. And then I say music like out there for that sort of thing because yeah. I can get heavy on my Twitter feed and so on. But, yeah, but yeah. you know, if I'm like listening to yeah. Miss Dynamite recently. Yeah. Uh, her old tunes. Before I'm sure. Really conscious. <laughs> Thank you. I think I do. Um, I sort of. I. I'm always going to be dragged into this kind of thing because of the history I got. But I found that last year, after I lost my daughter, I just came out of all of it. Yeah. All of it, all together. And now, if I'm doing something, it's what I want to do. I find I'm, I'm a lot less patient than I was mm-hmm. beforehand. I'm not sitting there and sort of like because I found actually when I went through personal trauma, members of activists are the worst people. Yeah. Yeah, awful, awful, awful people. That's another story. So, um, <laughs> talking about, you said you top ten. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, I saw like, on your Instagram, you're like one of the top twenty. Is it South Asian uh, people, <laughs> rising stars, or I don't know for yeah, 2019? Yeah. yeah. Tell us what is that? I wasn't like I could like the pictures were so small. I was like, who's that? Oh, well, I know Sharif. It was like Gaz Khan, Nikesh. Ah, um, Gaz and some people. Yeah, Nikesh Shiva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. So that was that. That was nice. Um, Asjad, um, he wrote that voice column for the Easter Night. Okay. But yeah, just a little bit of motivation for me, really. Yeah. Because yeah. was. So like, it's for creative people. So they're like saying, yeah, we so, should be watching out what you're doing yeah, creatively yeah. this year. Okay. Oh, so it's not going to be an award show or anything like that. Or. <laughs> well, you never know. Schools end the year. So what should we watch out for you, creative wise, in 2019? In that. Case? I want to create my own spoken word theatre show. Mm-hmm. I really want to do that this year. Like, I've been writing stuff for a long time, but I feel like sometimes inviting people to come to see me perform for 10 minutes on a lineup. I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm headlining, but 10 minutes, come on now. Like, yeah. I've got so much to say. Like, yeah. that's like eating one of the hazelnuts on top of a Cornetto. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like so, nothing. Yeah, exactly. So, I want to put on a proper show for people. And there's so much right now that's like mm. really kind of like affecting me or like coming to play in my mind um even all these r kelly conversations and like wanting to address certain things i'm like they really need addressing and it's like how you go about it so that's why for me as well like i feel like before i might have had like the odd twitter facebook rant but for me it's about learning to articulate yourself so that can get captured and be more powerful yeah in, a, in another setting so that's that's really important for me because otherwise Sometimes people don't have respect for what you're saying, you know? And, I, mm. and at the same time, I'm yeah. like, I need to respect my opinion yeah. and then respect the people I'm trying to communicate with, you know? Sometimes um, you've got to make a tweet, a soundbite, and then yeah. your phone start ringing and be like, oh, it's BBC, can you come and talk to us? There's no money. And so on and <laughs> so forth, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And I think, yeah, so that's one thing that I want to do. But other than that, I'm even maybe publishing a pamphlet or if with my show, then to publish. In yeah. You've got a big body of work already. It's, it's yeah. just that you want to put it out more. Yeah, I want so people you... to have access to my stuff. Like, I'm going to be 30 at the end of this year and I want yeah, to have yeah. something. <laughs> I just found this new expression the other day because my daughter's uh, yeah. godfather's guessing. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God. I said, brown don't crack either. And they said, no, no, it's beige don't age. <laughs> I've never heard that before. I was like, okay. Like, Black don't crack, beige don't age. Like, I was like, that's a new one for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I want to have yeah. things more out there. I want to go into acting this year. Yeah. That's one thing that I really want to do because I feel like. I just want to. I just want to be directed more. I want to expand. I've always loved 
and the stage drama was always my thing from since I'm in school like that was my escape that was my you know go to mm. for expression yeah and that's why I, I like spoken word because I am able to do other things but at the same time I really want to go into acting I want to write um mm. so do you have because you spoke about coming up to 30 do you have like are you a kind of person who sets goals for yourself will you say by March I would you know I want to have done this that and the other because I find Sam is manic like Sam will go I'm doing this I'm doing that I'm doing this I'm doing I'm like, <laughs> like I get it does, done though <laughs> that's what I'm saying she gets it done and it's made me more plan my life better knowing her working closer with her okay. um, so are you the kind of person who plans and goes well I want to do because I think it's I don't think I have done that but mm. I think I do want to do that like yeah. a part of me is like yeah me, I do like boxing more Thai as well so for me it's like yeah March, April I want to go to Thailand yeah. and train and work on my physical so I have more energy that kind of thing right, but right. at the same time I'm like um, I think I do need to do that yeah. I, need to, I need to set myself certain yeah, yeah. things. Two thousand. So. My my um phrase for two thousand nineteen is rise and thrive. So yeah. That's what you should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of us. Mine is just go get that money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, I wish I'd learned a few. But when I was a bit younger, how important money was. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want to be thirty and broke or in overdraft. Oh, like no, yeah. that life is not for oh, me. God. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, in financial but abundance. Is, it's, it's important that people know that because it's like, especially when you go to the activism world, there's a lot of, um, it's so, I can't remember, it's it's so like, just, you know what I mean? And it's a lot of jealousy. This person can't really care because, you know, they they're not wearing a sackcloth cloth and ashes. So that person's not a good activist and that person's. Yeah. And I think it is important that people know yeah, no, you can be in, you know, in that, yeah. and probably be a better, more rounded and effective person. Yeah. If yeah, you but are that does, care like, money, sorry, money worries does affect people's mental health. It yeah. has done me in the past, you know. So, yeah, it's important to look after yeah, yourself. And yeah, and I think that's, that's as well for me, for my journey, like, when I start coming to political meetings, people are like, oh, look at Hannah. But I'm like, I don't have, I don't have a student finance no more you know yeah, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, yeah pay for my travels to come to this meeting no so i'm going to sell my cds like good yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about putting your show together have you thought of doing any festivals maybe like Edinburgh? Um, I'm, doing, I'm performing at um the verve festival okay um in um birmingham what's when this? the date of that the 15th, so let people know. The 15th, 15th yeah then? yeah and i'm okay. performing at um, for apples and snakes, a jaw dance on um, okay. the sixteenth. That's a jaw dance looks great. Week. I've seen some videos of it. It's really cool. Yeah, that's nice. What so was that anyone that you just said? Uh, I was at Edinburgh Festival. Okay. Yeah, I thought of going up to do the month long August. I need to. Yeah. So maybe that might yeah. be a plan for this year. Well, yeah. I think. Well, yeah. I think you'd have to go next year now. So we're already halfway through January, and it's like a. Yeah. I think all the blurb and stuff has to be, like, I think probably the good rooms would have gone by now and you have yeah. to pay for your posters by March. But for next year, it could be something that I think yeah, would no, be definitely. quite interesting. Is there a, a dream person you want to work with or is there, you know, something you might... Because I know um, Sabrina Mahmood, um, mm-hmm. she, she does script writing now and she yeah. does. She took her poetry somewhere. Is there anyone that could be watching or we could tag really them in want, that you'd want to work with? I really want to work with Riz Ahmed in the future. Oh, really yeah. Yeah. Because I love his yeah. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I haven't even looked at it. He's his always Instagram. picking people up. I love people who like give like positive shout outs to other people, especially he's oh, probably no, a busy good. person. And he's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. check this good. out. Or this person's yeah. great. I'm like, he's got a big platform. He does that. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, definitely. Because I think for, for me, it's like he's Asian, music, acting, and activism and that's for me is like kind of what I want to aspire to you know what I mean because I'm like I don't really see many South Asian women that are like 
doing boots like Riz. No, no, I don't. And, and, and I find that really inspiring. You rang me like a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> just before Christmas, and you yeah. were saying you'd just been on the BBC. And you did, was it BBC Asian Network yeah. and so on? Like, just explain a little bit about that. Okay, basically, they called me to interview me about my views on Boris Johnson. Mm. And it was kind of about um, what his comments on the niqab and what he had to say and all the rest of it. Um, and him being cleared, so cool, I went on, fine. But the presenter was very like condescending, very patronising. I was seeing a lot of like Islamophobic comments coming from like a South Asian male. I was like, wow. Oh Is my he gosh. not Muslim? No. Okay. But but that's what I was just like, wow, we need we really need to address like a whole Islamophobia in the South Asian community mm-hmm. aspect because that was really quite, you know, like, oh yeah, but uh, women in the car, but they're not integrating now. I'm like, are you serious? What's the percentage of women in the car? Like, explain that to me, then we'll talk. But mm-hmm. anyway, it wasn't really. It's not your business. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you talk to everybody that you meet down the street? No, you don't. No. There's white people that don't want to talk to me for being black. So are we going to go? Oh, well, she's not integrating. Do you know? That's what it's I'm like saying. It, it's this standard of behaviour. But I do know what you mean about uh, like things that other people don't think of. We had acid on, and acid was talking about. Okay, we're talking about me being a Muslim stuff, but let's talk about the attacks that other Muslims put on me. Yeah, Do you know what real. I mean? Like, he goes, I've got people from the Muslim community who are phoning up my work asking for me to be fired. And wow. we, when those black people, there are, you know, some, whatever it's a lot of solidarity missing. And it's strange because people will recognise when they're being discriminated against. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, not, but you have yeah. people in your own community getting angry with you. Or, or being ignorant about certain things. But you what was your issue struggle. with, uh, who was it, was it Nihal, did you say? Yeah. What was the, what was, what was he doing, what was the It was just the way that he was communicating and um, just very patronising, not, uh, just like, you know when people are trying to make out like they're the good liberal westerner? Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I might be this like liberal looking Asian girl, but like really and truly like, nah, my I sisters d- and my mum, wear hijab like my one of my best friends wears a niqab like seriously don't get it twisted do you know what i mean that's that's the kind of thing and for me it was just like the alienation like completely alienating um women in niqab like they're aliens yeah i'm like i don't understand like do you no. not understand i'm telling you do you, you think he was being the devil's uh, what is it what are they called devil's well, advocate or do you think he's actually you know i think it's a mix mm. it's a mix I, but for me i'm like that people showed their true colors in it like and I, and I know that he's not the only person he's reflective of like a bigger picture mm-hmm. and that's what for me was just really frustrating I see it with black presenters as well like I had it with Eddie Nesta where I was like I had this thought of you being one way yeah. and then I went onto the show to talk about skin bleaching and stuff like that and I said well you know when you're you know when you're lighter skinned black woman you will get more this and, oh how, how do you know that I'm like I can't be playing stupid with you right now because if we're going to have to start the conversation <laughs> zero do you not understand what I'm saying like so I, I don't you know and afterwards I was like what, the, what and he goes oh come on Abby now the game's played I'm like well I didn't come to play any I came to have a bloody conversation with you about skin bleaching or you know about light skin privilege or whatever and I just kind of felt that probably how you felt like it's almost like, what's the point having these presenters from these communities if we're starting at zero with you? Mm-hmm. And you're pretending you don't even know the basics about your own community. I don't know, I just find it... But then it made me think that, is it really this whole homogenous South Asian community? Because it's really not. You know, people are like, oh, in India, where are you from? I'm like, wow, like, 
whole of India is completely different, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, whatever yeah. your experience is, that's going to be different if you came to my village. Yeah. I, I think it's, so. it's interesting to hear you talk about that because often as black people, when they're criticising, when we're criticising each other, they go, why can't we be more like the Asians? Oh, the Asians stick together. I'm like, oh, do they? Do they? You think so? And then you'll have it. Oh, well, the Jewish community stick together. Why can't black people, if we were more like Jews, I'm like, listen, yeah. Jewish people are like killing each other. Like, we just, we don't, I, I think because I think of white supremacy, it's just been, yeah. we're just seen as monolithic communities and actually yeah. people don't realise. So I think you doing and speaking on that is really, really important. Not yeah. just for you as South Asians, but for us to see as well that, you know, we're not, going on. we're not the only ones inviting black people. Yeah. <laughs> Other people do it too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so just to wrap up, is there, like, are there any self-care tips that you would like give out to people who, you know, creatives and so on? I think pick up a martial art. Mm. Make sure you're training. I go to the Brixton Street Gym like twice a week, do the circuit. Um, I do Muay Thai boxing. I think for me that's really helped in terms of my self care. Some of us like, it's like there's a lot of anger, especially in activists and stuff. Mm. I'm like, go and channel it healthily, please. Or go yeah. to the studio and do something or paint, do whatever you need to do, but find your way of creatively expressing yourself. Yeah. That's really important for me because otherwise people have just got pent up energy and they're just. They're not healthy to themselves or people around them. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, we can be like really passionate and like, oh, look at her, she's on fire all the time. But at the same time, I'm like, that's not healthy. Yeah. I don't want to be the person that's on fire all the time because. Yes, nah, it's about. I'm trying yeah. to live a bit more. I think it's about. Yeah. That was actually writing for Writers of Colour. My first. Yeah. My last paragraph was like, listen, sexual minorities and all minorities, just go to the gym. Train yourself, do what you need to do, do you know what I mean? And, and then, you know, because I'm saying the world, the way post-Brexit Britain is anyway, probably going to need to punch some people up. So oh, it's not about punching, it's about releasing your energy. It's, but it's both, you know, it's a good bonus. Okay. You know, if you want a high-vis jacket, can you guy coming up to you shouting in your face, I'm not going to be going, oh, well, for self-care, I'm knocking you out. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's just like, I, I think it's important to... to for both reasons yeah. in this current climate, for self-care and to get that, that negative energy out and also to be able to defend yourself. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Muay Thai elbows all day. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much for coming. Should thank you for having me. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Some days I am light. Some days I am a thunderstorm. Some days I feel balanced. Some days I'm in alignment. Some days I am the calmest of waters Some days I am the most flammable fire Only a true master can command my energy I stand in my centre, commanding my own answers I am a warrior, freeing myself of society's expectations of me I'm no longer in bondage The bondage I tied and placed around my feet I am sometimes the sweetest lady, sometimes a lioness on the warpath ready to strike earthquakes on this battlefield. I embrace all my energy, for I wish to no longer taste the residue of my own wrath. I am untamable. Let the spells of the thunderstorm unleash the way nature demands. Seek shelter if your eyes do not watch in awe but scorn. I am magnificent an extreme of seasons, able to provide the most joyful delight.
Some are rain clouds that fall heavy by night. My energy cannot be contained. Suppression is harmful, the devil's game. I am wonderful, a Scorpio with sharp senses. No need to look over a shoulder. 2020 vision for the unseen, always tuned in with my God-given intuition. They love my light, yet fear my darkness, scattering, receiving signals of my altered vibration. I embrace both sides of my glorious coin. I am magical, learning the strength and power in my cycle, embracing my being, my unforgettable essence and meaning, exploring every crevice of my multi-dimension, making peace with every angle that makes me human. Keeping an eye on the moon, the stirrer of my emotion. Keeping watch, foreseeing my energy's full bloom.